WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 138, all about the rings of power, being the 138th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by the creator of Fellowship of Fans. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to be doing this. Thank you for coming on. So listeners, originally I had planned that um, the the order of these episodes and everything that I've been doing the past couple weeks, this week was supposed to be the first episode of The Silmarillion. Uh, and then I feel like everything happened and exploded at once with rings of power in terms of mm-hmm. we had these character we had like tw- it was like 30 character posters drop and then i think within a week we had this vanity fair article which was a really long article and i only just now had time to read it today and then we had the uh trailer i would call it more of a teaser um but we had this 1 minute trailer drop during the super bowl And my head has been swimming with all of this. And if my head is swimming, I'm sure yours is too. So I wanted to sit down with someone. And on Twitter, Fellowship of Fans has really been on it. If you guys don't follow them, I highly recommend it um, in terms of sharing news and updates and announcements and uh, theories and saying, oh, this is this. We know that this character is this person now. (laughs) Um, So... We're going to sit down today and we're going to basically I'm going to ask a whole bunch of questions. and He's going to answer it for me um, <laughs> and we're going to get everything set straight so that um, we have a, a more clear idea, of course, based on what we know now. Um, mm-hmm. So I do want to note that we are recording this episode on February 17th and I am noting this just in case tomorrow they're like you know what here's the first five minutes of the first episode and or if there's any other <laughs> things that'd be that incredible we oh my gosh wouldn't that be great mm-hmm. <laughs> um but i yeah i recently put out a bonus episode where at the time the name rings of power had just been announced and that was it and so my friends and i were talking about that and then in between recording that and releasing that all of those character posters dropped and my like mood regarding the series almost totally changed because those character posters really got me excited so Mm -hmm. anyway yeah just noting dating this episode in case something major happens um but everything we'll talk about is what we know at this point in time Um, But before we get going, would you like to tell me and the listeners how you first got introduced to Lord of the Rings and what that journey was like that led you to starting Fellowship of Fans? Um, Well, I think um, my journey into Tolkien and Lord of the Rings is actually quite staggered because I know I I hear a lot of people say, I think the most um, reoccurring story is, oh, my father read me The Hobbit when I was a little child. I hear that quite a lot. Mm -hmm. but. Funnily enough, coincidentally, the same thing happened to me. That was my first ever interaction um, with um, Tolkien's works. And I think having it with The Hobbit, it was a nice way to ease in. And then, but I didn't automatically read The Lord of the Rings, actually. Um, had seen the movies. And then, that, of course, um, as a lot of people, the movies were excellent. 
and I think a, a thing that's similar with the show is that at the end of the day, it does bring a lot of people back to Tolkien and his works and being able to, maybe some people don't know about them, but that's a side point. But so yeah, going to the movies, then thought mm, they were pretty cool and then picked up a few books and they happened to be Fetch of the Rings, Two Towers and Return of the King. And ever since then, it's just been a long um, journey of going through everything possible um, that Tolkien wrote or posthumously or through Christopher Tolkien was he's edited over the years. And then regarding Fellowship of Fans, it really begun um, as I think a few things have begun during the pandemic where um, everybody was sat at home for a few months. I thought, why not just start a, um, a YouTube channel talking about Tolkien? And funnily enough, um, my first three, four videos was nothing got to do with the Amazon show. But then soon enough, it turned into mm-hmm. updates, updates. And then, yeah, now it's, I think it's safe to say that most most of the work we, and things we release here at Fellowship of Fans is um, stuff related to the Amazon show, which I'm excited to talk about today. Awesome. Yeah, you are totally right. I would say I wish I I wish someone would make like a pie chart of all of my guests when I ask them that question. And I think the biggest piece of that pie chart would be, yeah, my dad introduced me mm-hmm. to Tolkien. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Um. So uh, our first question up here is something that I've been very confused about. And I think I only recently discovered an answer so what exactly what works of Tolkien's is this show going to be adapting or pulling material from so yeah I think that is probably the biggest one of the biggest questions um, around the show right now and even though Amazon have technically given an answer via Vanity Fair it still is not the big picture because so according to J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay who some don't know they are the showrunners they have stated they only have the rights to the appendices of the at the end of the return of the king so that's the only thing they have what the rights to but then what it seems like actually in fact in the wider picture is that it potentially might be amazon why could the token estate on a case-by-case basis for extra things for example um in in the first shot in the trailer that we saw of numenor at the um in the background we have uh, Menel Tama and some people mentioned that well Menel Tama is the big um snowy like mountain in the background and if they only had the rights to the appendices that would be um it would be basically a flat at the top but in as you can see in the first shot of the trailer it's a pointy um mountain top so that also starts to build evidence then even remember the maps released a few years ago, the actual, um, the the fact that Numenor was a star and some of the things added in Numenor aren't in the, um, aren't in the appendices by naturally, in fact, in the Unfinished Tales. So what it seems like here is, yes, Amazon legally have access to the only things in the appendices of the Return of the King, but some extra things, they they are potentially working with the Tolkien estate in order to license a few things such as, you know, being able to create um, uh, the the shape, the iconic shape of the, the starish shape of Numenor or some other things, for example, like um, the top of Menel Tama. So, yeah, I think it's still an answer. It's a question that still doesn't have all the answers to it. I think we'll just have to um, wait and see. But I think that's the most likely scenario at the minute. 
Cool. So I am about to read the wrong thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought going into uh, when the series was first announced and when people were first talking about it, I thought that it was going to be based on the Silmarillion and then come to find out that, yeah, Amazon doesn't have rights to the Silmarillion um, and they bought the it like it it gives me like such a pit in my stomach to read that they bought the rights to the appendices for it was like 250 million dollars and i'm just like oh great Mm -hmm. (laughs) um to be fair um i wouldn't say you should feel down about that because in i'm not sure have you I'm getting you said you haven't read the Silmarillion before, but um, of course you have the Quenta Silmarillion, which is fully about the first age, etc. But then near the end, you have the bit about the Akalabeth and of the Rings of Power. And even though Amazon don't have the rights to it, they will be showing. This is where, again, it gets confusing because even though they don't have the rights to the Silmarillion, some of the stories being told in the Silmarillion that are also mentioned in the appendices mm-hmm. are going to be adapted. So, for example, like two or three chapters of, especially around of the Rings of Power and the Akalabeth, if you read that, if you read those specific parts of the Silmarillion, that will provide context to the backstory of, um, right. and also. And also, for example, it does look like we are seeing some first age events, for example, with um, the possibility of the Battle of Unnumbered Tears or Dagobragalok through um, who people don't know. Those were events at the end of the first age where, uh, for example, we revealed that Finrod is in um, that scene and for those of you who don't know, spoiler alert, Finrod does die at the battle because Finrod is Galadriel's brother. And all that isn't really explained in the appendices, but in the Silmarillion. So it is in the end of the world that you aren't able to, um, um, like they haven't licensed Silmarillion because even though technically they haven't, a lot of the stuff explained in there will still be in the upcoming show. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering. I thought that um, re- even though it doesn't seem like they're going to be adapting, you know, chapter by chapter or something from the Silmarillion, Marillion. It it did at some point seem to me like, well, it's still good to read because I'll get, you know, that background information and kind of mm-hmm. lay the foundation for um, these events to be happening. So that'll bring me to my next question. When are these events taking place? Everyone's been saying, oh, the second age. Um, what does that mean in relation to the most popular stories that everyone knows. So what does that mean, um, let's say, in relation to Bilbo and The Hobbit? First of all, the Second Age is around 3,500 years-ish in length. And in regards to The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, it's first of all set in a whole different age, um, thousands of years earlier. But the thing here is despite... So from a law perspective, as well how Tolkien intended, the Second Age is basically... It's a, it's just a time, it's a chronology of events. It's not a coherent narrative like the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit is. So, for example, you have the founding of Numenor, which is going to be a prevalent part of the show, in the first year of the Second Age, whereas the rings that are being forged happen around 1500 of the Second Age. That's a 1,500-year gap. And then, of course, we revealed Isildur, who you know from the um, Fellowship of the mm-hmm. Ring prologue, He's also going to be in the show, but then he's around 3,100, 3,200 of the second age. So, and the showrunners did say that they're going to be adapting all the major tales of the second age. So what's happening here is that all these events are going to be compressed and put all together in one narrative, essentially. 
Yeah, um, I saw people when the Vanity Fair article came out talking about a compressed timeline. And to me, who I have not read The Silmarillion yet, that meant, you know, essentially nothing. But as I was reading the article and seeing they they made some really good points from the perspective of um, I know a lot of people were worried about that based on their reactions that I was seeing on Twitter about this compressed timeline. Mm -hmm. Um, But what the showrunners were saying about, well, if we're doing this where one episode is happening in year one and then we jump to the next episode and 500 years have passed, that means that, you know, if we have any mortal characters, they're dead. So we can't get any attachment to any to a lot of characters. Um, And then it would also be really slow moving and we wouldn't get to um, some of the more main events if we're taking it, you know, five, if we're Mm -hmm. doing all these big time jumps. So um, yeah. Now, hearing you say that, um, and then now having you know having that additional context um, makes a lot more sense to me. Mm-hmm. And even around what they said, um, I'm sure. Have you watched The Witcher? Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. So you are coming to me in a time where I have been like hyper focused on The Witcher. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I love season one, love season two, and then. Um, I am currently reading some of the books. I'm playing the video game. Mm-hmm. I'm like very deeply invested. And The Witcher is actually something that I thought of hearing about, you know, this idea of a timeline. And mm-hmm, yeah, I feel like from se- what they did with season one, listeners, if you haven't watched The Witcher, um, despite me always bringing it up on a Lord of the Rings podcast... <laughs> Um, What they do in season one is they're constantly Geralt's timeline. Think about it as starting. It starts all the way at like the beginning of his timeline. And then when you jump to Ciri or Princess Cirilla's timeline, it's happening um, like, I guess, hundreds of years later. But you don't realize that until like certain things are happening where like, It'll jump to Siri in present day and she's like running through the woods or whatever. And then meanwhile, Geralt is at a party yeah. where they're discovering that her mom is pregnant with her. So and mm-hmm. I know that they had a lot of um, not I, I wouldn't even say negative backlash or anything about that. I think a lot of people it was just very controversial how they handled that timeline. I think so they I made can... a joke about it in season two. Oh, I believe. it's I think Bard. so good. I laughed yeah. so hard at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yaskir has a line about um, or someone is criticizing one of his songs and mentioned something about timelines. Um, yeah. And I thought that was hilarious. So, yes, having seen The Witcher and what they did with season one, and I think they handled it fairly well, but I can see how it can get really complicated and messy. I can see how the showrunners, when you're looking at, um, what did you say, the second age is 3,000 years? 3,500-ish years. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. So I can see how that's really tricky to have to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that the option was go down the witch way and have parallel timelines. So the main, the two main um, time periods is about 1,200 to 1,700 and then of the second age, then 3,100 to 3,500 of the second age. So the option was go down the witch route and put them two together in season one and have them play along, alongside each other. But the problem with that is, as you could see with the witcher, there has to be an event that bring merges the two timelines mm-hmm. together 
And I think with the witch, they did that quite well with Siri meeting Geralt. But in this, but with Lord of the Rings, in well, in the Second Age, is much much harder. And I think, yeah, if you think of it like this, I know I think you said the witches about hundred ish hundred ish years difference between some of the events. But think of um, the Second Age as if you're adapting the Roman Empire. So you've got you have to the story of the Roman the Empire. You have to have the Second Emperor. And the like the twenty fourth emperor. I'm not sure how many there actually were. And then you have to get both their stories and put them together in one time period. That's basically what Amazon's doing with this. And the third option was go up to three seasons and then just do a massive time jump. And that is where you know hacking off half your human cast comes into play. But maybe with three seasons of being attached to human characters and having another two seasons of new human characters may be impossible. But yeah. So I think, despite fan reaction, it did seem like probably the most realistic option for them. Yeah, you've already mentioned a few of the events and plot lines that we might expect to take place. Um, what? So, what are maybe some of the main things people are thinking that we will see happen in this series? So, I think from the name, the Rings of Power itself, everything around the rings, the forging of the rings, the making of the rings, and I think this is where it comes into play with seeing now, seeing lots of different races of the dwarves, the elves, um, Numenorians, because all the rings, of course, um, if you don't know, distributed to each of these races. Then you also see, um, then of course you have this person who comes to Celebrimbor, who is called Anatar, the Lord of Gifts. You have all that ends up being Sauron. Then you got the staple event of the forging of the One Ring, and that is basically one plot point. And the second plot point is that actually a war happens after that, and this is the sacking of a region, which is a region is basically has the capital of Ostinatil, which is for the elves, and then partially includes Khazadum, which is for the dwarves. So those two are mainly part of um, a region, and Sauron basically comes and wipes them all down. And this is the second major thing we'll see. And the Numenorians, however, will come and save the day. Then the third bit is, of course, in law perspective, you have to jump 1,500 years. But in this case, with the Amazon show, we're going to jump probably one or two years or months or days. Who knows yet? And basically what happens there is that Sauron, after the event 1,500 years earlier, where well, he, well, he actually runs away, but then 1,500 years later, he gets captured by the Numenorians and he's brought to Numenor. And now we see him basically begin the third major event, which is the downfall of Numenor, where Sauron corrupts Numenorians and their king, Arpharazon, where they attack, um, as you saw at the end of the Return of the King or in the books, the Undying Lands, Valinor, where the ship sails to, so they attack that place. It basically pisses off a lot of uh, um, the gods, which are the Valar down there. And then, yep, the, it sinks, which leads to what we see in the prologue, which will probably be the finale, bit of the show which is the last alliance of elves and men and yeah of course we see this is when truly the Numenorians come into play with the Sildor and the Lendil and seeing their story of of course that he doesn't throw the mm -hmm. ring into the volcano and this sets up da -da -da, the Lord of the Rings that and the Hobbit. 
would be so cool for we see, I don't know, the season finale, the series finale, we see this massive battle. And then, you know what, instead of ending the series, you can just someone needs to like edit it where it immediately flows into the prologue of Fellowship of the Ring. And then you just Mm -hmm. keep on watching Fellowship of the Ring. And then you just watch Two Towers and then Return of the King. I'm sure someone's going to do that at some point, but where would he factor in The Hobbit into all that? I think oh, that is true, wouldn't yeah. it be you'd do that, do it to the first of the ring prologue, and then jump to The Hobbit, potentially. And then jump back, yeah. yeah and then jump back to <laughs> Lord of the Rings again after the prologue finishes. So yeah, that would be like, I know the current one for The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings is like 24 hour, but that would be like a 70 hour extended Oh my gosh, so much, yeah. 80, 90, yeah. Um, so a question for you that is going to sound really dumb, but to me, I'm like, no clue. Um, what is what is Numenor and who are Numenorians? At the end of the first age, of course, you'll probably find out in the Sumerillion, men help save the day in their big battles at the end against Melkor and um, or the or basically all the orcs, etc. And and the Nervala, who are the gods technically of Middle-earth, say, men, well done for helping us out. You have a, here's a reward. They, some men go to have a stay in Middle-earth, but some get gifted long life and actually get given their own island in between um, Valinor and Middle-earth called Numenor. So it's this, it's this isolated oh. kingdom in between the two continents, effectively. And Actually, the first king of Numenor is Elros Tarminyata, the the brother of Elrond. And that's the person we see in the statue, on that massive statue in the trailer on the first shot. It's him. Oh, cool. All right. See, see, Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, the pieces are starting to come together. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. so speaking of Elrond, um, who are some characters that we can expect to see, whether they are somehow related um, to characters we're already familiar with or characters that are new to the story? So I think that is actually a 3 late question because we have <laughs> characters people might already know and then characters people who might know the books know, but maybe who just watch the movies might not know of. And you've got third characters that none of us know of, Amazon original characters. So, but um, in regards to the characters that we do know coming back is, um, of course, Sauron, but interestingly, we don't know who he is and which form he's in in Middle-earth. I think that's what the showrunners are intending to do in season one. We don't know who Sauron is. But then, of course, you have Elrond, and with that swanky new haircut, which playing <laughs> by Robert Arameo, and which I'm not really a fan of. Not of the yeah. actor, but of the hair. It's, yeah, um, a lot of people are very, the, the elf hair is very controversial. Um, my theory is that Elrond will go through an emo phase later <laughs> on, and he'll grow it out and dye it dark, and that's how he gets to have long dark hair. <laughs> Potentially, and um, I think for me, it's not even the fact that he has short hair, it's that his hair looks gelled back, and um, I think mm-hmm. same for, uh, I think the elf being played by Ismael Cruz Cordova, I forg- I think uh, Aronde, I think his character's called, it looks like he's, I was like about to say, they've got like a nice barbershop in um, mm-hmm. Middle Earth. Yeah, they have face. very um, <laughs> like modern yeah. hair, yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, th- I know this is um, attractive from the point, but so um, we have Elrond and, of course, Galadriel, who 
Amazon are shaping up to be the big, you know, the big characters. The oh, first yeah. thing on the poster, we got Warrior Queen Galadriel. So I think that was even a phrase mentioned in the article. She's the leader of the Northern Armies, and I think for um the difference is that in the movies we see this, you know, this regal, this um I don't want to say calm but more angelic mm-hmm. type of figure. She knows what she's doing. Whenever she's in the room, for example, in the Hobbit Council scene. Everyone respects her. By here in the second age, we are seeing a rebellious, like, you know, um, teenager sort of type where oh, we're going to go around fighting, you know, the last remnants of evil, which is um, basically where Sauron gone and all his friends. That's what she's doing. So we're going to see, I think this show will do is show us the character progress- progression and arc from having Galadriel from this, you know, warrior type princess to this, to this wise to this wise figure probably probably one of the wisest minus Curdan mm-hmm. in middle earth and i think that's really interesting and around other characters it really comes down to the prologue with um first of all elendil and Isildur that were mentioned of course Isildur's a famous one who doesn't cut the does right. throw the ring he, into the... He's the weakest man alive. And... <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, Elrond says men are weak yeah. as well, really <laughs> um, boldly. And of course, Elendil's father, I think that is probably going to, I think that's in the verge of, you know, characters mm-hmm. people don't know. Then of course, really, really for about two seconds in the movie, we have, and an, a reference in the book a bit, we have Gilglad, the Elven King. So, um oh okay that's who that is i've heard that name i've seen people a lot of people reference that name okay Mm -hmm. so for to 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 put into perspective gilgalad so you know in the um the movies and the books it seems like um elrond as you know the last he's like the wisest of the else they seem like everyone's everything's under his rule Mm -hmm. but in this show Elrond is just a is just basically a lieutenant, a political understudy to um Gilgad, who is basically the last high king of the elves in this okay. sense. So he's this big kingly regal elven figure. And he's in the kingdom of Linden, where the Grey Havens are, where they leave at the end of the return of the king. So yeah, we have him. He's a basic, he's a law, he's um from the law, Tolkien's law, and he's a character I think a lot of people will get excited by. And I, of course, um, Arwen isn't born at this time yet. Actually, in fact, it it looks like we might not even be seeing Kellerborn potentially in the first season either, which is quite an interesting choice by Amazon. But I think unless the person from the meteor is Gandalf, I think that's as far as it goes with. Actually, technically, we have Curdan the shipwright, you know, just for a few seconds at the end of the Return of the King. We have him you know, stand at the ship. He's the one that actually takes the ship west or creates the ship. So we have him as well. He's technically in the Lord of the Rings. He's also showing up. But in regards to everyone else, yeah, new characters. I'm personally excited. I know there's been... uh, So listeners, this episode is more just to kind of lay down the like objective facts of of what we know rather than theorizing about you know who all these people might be and putting our own opinions on you know what it is so i don't because there has been a lot of like really terrible um Mm -hmm. backlash and i know that like that represents honestly like when it comes down to it it's probably such a huge minority of people and when it comes down to it i think um like casual viewers will 
enjoy the show. I don't know. I could be talking out of my butt right now. This could be end up being terrible. Who knows? But yeah. <laughs> that being said, I personally am excited to see new characters just because I think that will um, add something kind of like, I don't know, something different. And I know that a lot of like Tolkien diehard fans are not happy about that. But I, as someone who is new to the world, I'm excited to see new characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think I can see both sides to that. For example, I think even when, um, what's her face? Tariel was in The Hobbit. Yeah, I think people are basing a lot of their new characters based on that. But maybe hopefully Amazon will change that perspective and maybe in future seasons we'll see even more Amazon original characters. But I think around that, it's mainly around the fact that, of course, Amazon haven't been, you know, said anything for about three or four years you know, we know virtually nothing about the show. And then right. you come out, then you come out. And then the first thing you do is announce three um, Amazon <laughs> original characters. So, yeah. And without context, I think pe- uh, everyone's lacking at the moment around yeah. their involvement. So I think it's just a thing that will probably develop, develop over time and see how it plays out. Yeah, it's so important to remember that like everything we're talking about, um, you know, us right now and then, you know, everyone talking on TikTok or Twitter or wherever you are. Um, it's so important to remember that what we've seen and heard of is like it barely grazes the surface. There's going to be so many like the the trailer that we saw was just one minute. The pictures that we've seen are just like still images. And we don't even know if those are images taken directly from the show. Though Those could have just been um images that they shot specifically or that they you know created think, for yeah, the, the ones, fair article yeah the ones where they're looking literally in the camera lens probably right. yeah, won't be coming in exactly yeah so i i still think there's i i mean you know what on amazon's part and um you know the marketing team's part it was a really good tactic to it's come out you know have absolutely nothing basically for all this time and then release these new characters because it got everyone talking and you Mm -hmm. know whether you are whether they were talking like they hated it or like they loved it people were still talking about it which is the whole point of you know marketing and advertising (laughs) yeah and i truly believe it's just context that everyone just Mm -hmm. has to wait and see and even the final product and see and base their judgments off that yeah so the next thing that i want to ask is where we've already, we've talked, you know, about Numenor and you've mentioned, I think like you mentioned Casa Doom, um, or no, mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe you didn't no, say that. Yeah, because Moria, Moria. Yeah. yeah. Um, where, what are some places where we might see the show take place and the events take place? Cause obviously, com- you know, coming from Lord of the Rings, we're all familiar with, you know, obviously we're familiar with the Shire, um, and that's probably what we'll see the least of. Um, but there's Rohan and Gondor, obviously Mordor, Moria. There's so many places that we're familiar with. So what um, might we see in the series? Well, funnily enough, um, all the uh, the last place you mentioned, I think, um, Gondor, Rohan, etc., we is either we won't see them at all in this show or literally right in the either last few episodes because it depends how far into the third age Amazon um, right. will go. Right, they wouldn't have been created or formed yet, probably. No, because as said before, most of the Numen- uh, most 
So the men are from Numenor. And then what we actually okay. could see happening in the show is when, of course, the island sunk and then the Numenoreans come to Middle-earth. And then during that period, some go up and create the kingdom of Arnor and some go down and create the in- kingdom of Gondor. So we actually could see that, but we won't see probably like spend a couple of seasons in Gondor, etc. So yeah, around that, those two f- um, familiar places I won't be then even um, Mordor to an extent because um, in it said in the Vanity Fair article, the showrunner said Mount Doom isn't even um, formed formed yet. And- yeah, wow, it's so crazy to think about all the all the places that haven't happened yet. <laughs> mm, yeah, and I think as to places that things will be set, the prominent um, the two places is first of all Linden, as I mentioned earlier, this is the kingdom of Gilgalad. And this is basically, think think about Rivendell and then times that by five or six or something like that. It's going to be, it's the elven capital city. It's in Middle-earth effectively. It's the home to the high king. Probably see a nice elven palace, lovely woods. So this is because the second age is actually some um, say is, is the elves at their peak. And for example, that I think that's from people who people who like the movies and don't maybe know much about the second age or um, what goes on. I think going into the show and seeing Lyndon, I think people will be quite relieved and excited by that. And of course, there's even actually, in fact, another elven place. I'm not sure whether we've seen the first season. It's probably most likely they did mention in the article Eregion. So Eregion is is this is more of um how's the best way to put it so it's um so we've got two main places in it that is Ostinat Hill I know it's um it's quite um fragmented but that's the capital city and that is where most of the rings are forged in Ostinat Hill by Kelle Brimble so that is basically we'll probably be spending a lot of time there we hopefully see some rings forged there and then if you just go to the east a bit, you've got the, the mountain range. Of course, as you know, Moria from the movies and the books. So, yeah, we have that as well, but not as, you know, crypts and just dead dwarves everywhere. It's going to be... Yeah, hopefully you know, there will be alive dwarves in alive, Moria. Yep. <laughs> I think more than alive, there'll be thriving dwarves, yes. which will be really exciting to see. And yes, yeah, like, think of Erebor, you see in The Hobbit, it's effectively that. And but greater than that potentially, mm-hmm. and um, so it's really exciting that we are going to see, um, see those two places so in Middle Earth. Um, so that's our place, and re- and in regards to human settlements, well, it looks like, um, of course, we didn't know. I think in the movies you see the Haradrim and the Easterlings that come mm-hmm. in, um, during the return of the Kings of Battle of Ponorfields to to support Sauron and we might be potentially seeing some of their folk because um, actually in the Vanity Fair article they mentioned I think it's Tar Harad I think or Tir Harad where the um, where Nazanin Boniadi's original character Bronwyn is from then that's where Ismail Cruz Cordova's character come together so oh. that'll probably be a, that human village settlement thing will probably be another um, a place that we will see quite a lot in the first season, seeing how their well romance and relationship um develops. 
Cool. All right. Cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so we've already brought up a lot of things that we learned from the Vanity Fair article. Um, the next biggest thing that kind of happened recently was that the trailer premiered during the Super Bowl for my American <laughs> listeners. Mm -hmm. um, for everyone, for the rest of the world, I guess y'all just um, <laughs> stayed up until 3 a.m. waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> and streaming for another three hours after that. Oh, so it gosh. was fun. Um, uh and at the beginning of the episode, I kind of referred to it more as a teaser because yeah. I so I was anxiously awaiting that, uh, you know, I was watching the football game. The halftime show happened, um, which was really it was a really great halftime show for anyone who listening who disagrees with that. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> and we were, yeah, <laughs> we were waiting and um I think it was like maybe 10 minutes afterwards, I saw the that stupid Amazon Prime logo, and it, but I got yeah. excited. It was like, <gasps> it made everyone shut up, um, watched it, and then my immediate reaction was, that was cool, but I still don't know anything about what yeah. the show is about. Mm -hmm. So what would you say um, is maybe the biggest takeaway from the trailer? So I think the trailer festival was probably intended to not probably give too much of the story mm -hmm. away. And from what we know from like leaks and understanding of the show without, of course, giving spoilers away, but 95% of that trailer is the first two episodes. And there's eight episodes. I think, I'm sure that's, I think that's funny. Other question is eight episodes in season one. And the majority of that is from the first two episodes. So it doesn't even, I think that's probably why that's it doesn't crazy. give a sense yeah, of the actual wider story. But I think, Funnily enough, um, one of I think Fellowship of Fans' um, leaks was Meteor Man and a person riding from the sky that got people a bit crazy around why is their character riding from the sky? But then, um, lo and behold, we see a, a character, um, someone in a meteor zoom across the sky. And you know, the last shot, which is actually their thumbnail shot for the YouTube videos and all their other clips, is the old man holding a hobbit's, a hobbit's hand. And I think the oh. identity. The identity of who that person is, I think the Mighty Fair article mentioned it, is probably um, the most um, interesting thing alongside, of course, Galadriel and her quest to, you know, fight off evil and then meeting and then why is she out at sea? And I think that's, those are the three main things from um, the trailer, I suppose. Cool. Yeah, definitely the trailer, the the purpose of that was to get, obviously, all of us nerds, we're already going to watch it no matter what. Um, mm -hmm. So the trailer was definitely to get um, more casual fans, people who probably haven't thought about Lord of the Rings, maybe since like the movies came out or um or the, the hobbit. hobbit came out or something and get them get this on their radar and then be like see look at how cool this is gonna look and get them excited yeah. and i i think for that purpose i think it was effective at least mm -hmm. yeah i think i think the thing that encapsulates all that is um when i think ismael cruz cordova's um character i think Aronde, i think it was again he shoots that bow and arrow for like 10 seconds and i'm like and like that is of course there for the super 
Super Bowl shot. You know, people are going to want to see an elf draw an arrow and shoot it. In reality, that gives nothing in terms of plot away. So yeah, right. I think that <laughs> I think represents what the um trailer was about. And that's not a bad thing either, because of mm-hmm. course Amazon do need to get in um that audience in for order for the show to be successful. So we shall yeah, see. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um so you already mentioned that so the first season will have eight episodes um listeners if you don't know if it's not on your calendar already uh it's premiering on september 2nd of this Mm -hmm. year um do we know yet if all of those episodes are going to if we can go to our tvs on september 2nd and open the amazon prime app and we will have all eight episodes or are they going to release it um you know, in weekly installments like Marvel has been doing with their Disney Plus shows. Amazon have already confirmed that episodes will be released weekly. So it's not like Netflix, how they, you know, binge watch stuff, um, everything in one day. And I think that's the better thing. I I agree. I think being able to, you know, hype up for the next episode, discuss it, of course, do podcasts like like this and discuss with your friends, you know, all the forums, all the Discord servers, Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, getting everyone excited for each episode. And of course, you know, the buzz of having a season finale probably... You know, and it also from a commercial side, I guess more people staying on Prime Video app for a few more weeks as well. For two so, months, yeah. yeah. Two months, yeah. So I think I think all in all it did make sense that Amazon would release it weekly. But I think I'm hoping that the intent was that it does make the experience more fun. Yeah, I totally from from a like a, a very selfish perspective as a content creator in this world I'm relieved to hear that it's going to be Mm -hmm. weekly because I was imagining I was like oh my god the show is going to premiere and I'm going to have to just drop everything and watch you know eight episodes of the show in one day so that I don't get spoiled on anything Um, and then that also would kind of mess with the format of my show which was you know originally I was starting out reading Lord of the Rings for the first time chapter by chapter and I would read it one chapter at a time so then that would mean I I don't know what's coming next and so I think I would prefer definitely to be able to sit down with someone once you know after each episode and talk about it and then theorize and predict what's going to happen in the next episode because I think that's that's Mm -hmm. really half of the fun so I'm so glad to hear that because I I hadn't heard that news yet. And honestly, I was expecting for you to say, oh, we have no clue. So (laughs) I'm glad we have an answer. Um, And then you were also mentioning, you know, this idea of multiple seasons. I know that it has been renewed for at least one additional season. Um, Do we know how many seasons at this time uh, the show will go for? The intended plan is for five seasons. And of course, the second season before season one had really even gone and started filming had already been renewed. So, yeah, I think Amazon, whether Amazon fills out all five seasons, we shall see. But I wouldn't be surprised if like a season three renewal already comes around the corner soon. So, yeah, five seasons, it looks like. And do we have any sense? I mean, I know we had a pandemic happen. Um, I don't when I was reading the Vanity Fair article, it mentioned that they were only like a few days into shooting when the pandemic mm-hmm. happened. I I don't think I knew that they had started filming at that time. Um, I thought everything had been totally put on pause. Um but I mean, it took so long for us to just get one season. Do we have any idea yet um, how long it'll be before season two premieres? 
So, as in regards to what has already come out, it, they said pre-production for season two will begin in the first quarter of 2022 in the UK. So that means any time between now and probably April, they'll start pre-production. And I wouldn't be surprised if filming started again this summer or a bit later. But in regards, you have to also remember that, of course, they have the Wheel of Time a show as well. So mm-hmm. I... I I wouldn't. I would be surprised if Amazon released their second season before season two of Real Time came out. So, as for placing bets, it would probably be in the realm of twenty twenty. Probably not this year, and probably either if it's next year, probably near the end of next year. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering that too. I think that covers it in terms of the main questions that I've been wondering about. Um, I did ask on, uh, I asked in our Discord server, if y'all had any questions, let me pull those up. And then I also asked on Twitter. Again, if you are not following, first of all, definitely follow Fellowship of Fans. Um, But if you're interested in any of my reactions or like all of that is really happening on Twitter, just because that's kind of like what the platform is intended for. So definitely follow me on Twitter at Tolkien About Pod. I saw there was like a bombardment of a lot of questions oh, in the so Twitter. So many questions, yeah. <laughs> um, in our Discord server, Mats asked if we know who is writing the score yet. Is it Howard Shore? We released as a leak back in September that is going to be Howard Shore and this another composer called Bear McCreary. So the way in their relationship and how they're going to be working, scoring the show is unconfirmed, whether, you know, Howard Shaw will do certain themes, like who will do the Elvin themes, and then Bear McCree will do the Numenor themes, or whether they're doing episode by episode. But yeah, they're two um, composers who are, will be collaboratively working on composing the show. Okay, cool. so Howard Shaw is definitely involved. Yep. Oh, he that's is. awesome. Oh my God, that makes me so happy. Just the other day, like for every now and then on TikTok, just whole scenes from movies will show up on my for you page it's not even like someone you know making a joke or commenting on it it's just like someone uploaded a clip and there was the lighting of the beacons and that's one of my favorite pieces of howard shore's score is oh my god so i that's got me really excited to hear Mm -hmm. let me see it's so funny on Twitter reading all these questions because these are definitely so I kind of asked a lot more of the basic again grazing the surface type questions because a lot of people who listen to this podcast myself included are really just casual fans who Mm -hmm. we don't have all this in-depth knowledge Um, but a lot of other people on Twitter were asking like a lot of where I was like I don't know who those people are but it seems like you're excited so um, let's see. Matthew Todd asks, do you think they will introduce Glorfindel? I'm sure for anyone who's read The Lord of the Rings, and um, of course Glorfindel was the actually the person who had um he's what well, he's really he's a really good character. He he saved Frodo, took him from mm-hmm. Aragon and got and took him straight to um El, um to Imladris to Rivendell to of course I want to heal him and like funnily enough just how epic of a character he is when the um the ring wraiths were chasing him horseback he was basically taunting them with bells I'm not sure if you remember but he had bells on his horse's feet so yeah just so when they were all um riding along he was basically mocking nine um nine people on on horseback with swords probably trying to kill him so yeah and Though, of course, with the movies, Arwen took that role. So saves, fought off the ring wraiths, arrowed them, and um, 
and yeah so of course the funny the funny thing is in the talking community is that our Glorfindel gets removed from everything so I think because technically law-wise um even though it's actually not mentioned in the appendices thinking about it now but unless Amazon do try and you know do the case-by-case basis with the rights Glorfindel in one version comes during the middle of the second age the middle so yeah we could potentially be seeing maybe he's the person the meteor that's really yeah that's really cool a lot of these questions also were asking about the the meteor man yeah meteor man. which it's just so funny that term has been that that phrase has yeah. been coined because all i can think about is um smash mouth's all-star because oh, that's yeah. a, the it's Amazing um but too. the meteor man begs to differ satellite something <laughs> something um yeah. and so now i'm just thinking about smash mouth <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly and i think that's maybe something amazon might be angry with fellowship of fans about because we had of course released meteor man two months early and and uh, but we didn't actually label it we just labeled it as a person arrives from force from the sky in an asteroid meteor meteorite and then think two weeks before release we, we made the phrase Meteor Man about someone and Kyle from Fresh Fans, um, he actually made it. And now um, I think Amazon, I think, tra- like had officially called him the stranger. But then, of course, in the replies, he's still saying Meteor Man, Meteor Man. And <laughs> you put a tweet out yesterday and it's got like a thousand likes and it has... Um, it has um, them. It says basically, of course, if Amazon has released the stranger, we're still going to call it Meteor Man. So yeah, I think it, it's alliteration. It's a funny play on words. It's because um, I think um, from a law perspective, talking law perspective, this is basically an alien concept of someone in a meteor falling from the sky. It's like um, I don't know what a comparison would be like actually, but it's like maybe telling. Um, maybe actually, it's, it's quite hard to. But maybe telling a Star Wars fan that um that basically i know that you cannot breathe in sp- and that you cannot have any ships in space anymore something like that it's it's, it's ridiculous but um well well how amazon do it because in actual legendarium there's only one re- real um well there's actually two um things where meteors have come up a while things in the sky there's a funny there's a hobbit tale of um i think a person called it the man on the moon Whereas basically just a tale of a person, like basically the moon's a character and mm-hmm. it's basically, and then of course, another one going back in the first age, maybe you'll pick up on when you read the Silmarillion is that um, a character has a sword that comes with a meteor and I think Anglical. So that's another thing, but yeah, I think that is why probably in all the replies for the show right now, meteor man, meteor man is um phrase that's been repeated because it's just really bizarre to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> At... M. Oh my God! I don't, I can't read this because I, I I got my eyesight tested recently and it's not uh. great, y'all. Um, <laughs> at M N C picks nightmare. Sure. Um, as do we think? Uh, do you think we'll see any material on the Silmarils? On the Silmarils, so that is all made mainly put in the Quintus Silmarillion. So. I really highly doubt it. I don't, first of all, Amazon don't have the rights for mm-hmm. it. I'd, I really doubt that they're going to be. And even with the Second Age, the Silmarils are basically irrelevant to the events and stories of the Second Age. So no, I don't think so. At 
star stark Zayab49, y'all have great handles. <laughs> uh, in like a lot of our conversation so far, um, I can definitely see like why this question, like I-, I understand this question. Do you think the elves are going to be the main focus of the show since they are the ones interacting with both Numenor and Kaza Doom? And we've talked a whole lot about elves now. So mm-hmm. like just on what we've talked about, I would imagine they would be a huge focus. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually a good question. And I think it does make sense because, yeah, the elves are the centerpiece of, um, of course, they said the elves interacting with Numenor. Well, that's in the source material. That's not really, it is not that prevalent in the second age. But I think um, if that person's from our channel, it's, uh, it's, it's a leak that you put out where, and so basically there's not a lot of elves and Numenor in interaction in, um, a lot of physical interaction, except from during war periods. But in this show, they are potentially experimenting with having Numenoids and elves interact um, beyond um, with without the scale of war. So during peacetime periods, so that's an interesting thing. But overall, I think with having um, with with all the main characters of this of people remember from the movies being elves, it kind of hands itself into the fact that the Amazon probably is, would make sense with having elves at the center. Of course, we talked about Galadriel being, you know, pushed as the main, you know, the main centerpiece for this show. So it seems like from that alone, of course, will outweigh what things we see of the Numenorians and Dwarves as, a, as opposed to the elves. But as that person mentioned, there will be a lot of cross-racial interactions between elves and dwarves, elves and Numenorians, maybe elves and men. So yeah, I think I think it makes it, I think it's most likely that at least in season one we'll see a lot of the elves. But I think as the show develops, it will change and maybe become more men and Numenorian centric. Mm-hmm. Well, looking through a lot of these Twitter questions, it looks like either I asked, uh, I'm glad that like, it, it looks like I asked the right questions because a lot of people had similar questions to me or um, the answers that you provided answered other people's questions. So um, thank you all for submitting your questions. Uh, sorry if we didn't ask them. There were a lot, but it. I, I think we touched on I would say some of the more major things. I have one last question for you, and this is just from my own personal interest reading the Vanity Fair article. Um, So the article says, quote, Two lovable, curious Harfoots, played by Megan Richards and Markella Kavanaugh, encounter a mysterious lost man whose origin promises to be one of the show's most enticing enigmas. Now... Do you think that means we're going to see Tom Bombadil? Well, I think it hands itself into, but of course, that person they're referencing there is Meteor Man, as you go back to. So I think. Oh, is that Meteor Man? That's Meteor Man. So the question is, is Tom Bombadil Meteor Man? And I think um, that is um, the possibility. But I think the problem with that is, I think, and even though Tolkien didn't explicitly talk about the backstory of Tom Bombadil, but even from the lines that we um, we see, we um, read in the Lord of the Rings when they when the hobbits are at in the old forest at um, with Tom Bombadil and Goldberry. Um, I don't remember the exact lines, but he talks about being like interwoven in with the world itself and always being here. So I think it would be quite funny if then all of a sudden it actually is that just in the middle of the second age, Tom Bombadil just falls from the sky. But yeah, I think if just due to the fact that the 
that enigma that you read is in reference to Michi Man, I doubt it. But that doesn't, oh. but the but no, but that doesn't rule out that we don't see Tom Bombadil in the show. Okay. But I don't think that specific character is him. Okay. See, um, I have always. I am a big Tom Bombadil fan. I am a proponent of <laughs> Tom Bombadil, and. I have always referred to him as an enigma. So the fact oh, that right. this article said he's or said this character is one of the show's most enticing enigmas, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> um, so, OK, well, all right, there go all my hopes and dreams. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sorry. Just from what I know, I mean, to- that's what I think is so fun about Tom Bobadil is that we know nothing about him except that he's like, I am as old as the earth. <laughs> I was yeah. like, fo- I, w- I formed when the earth formed or, or whatever, you know. Um, so that would be really awesome if we saw him. But OK. All right. This is me. All right. So now I've got to uh, I've got to do more diving into Meteor Man talk on twitter and and everything to get in on the action Mm -hmm. well we've been talking for an hour and i'm sure there's still so much more that we could talk about um but i think that does a good job of um kind of collecting all of the things that we've learned so far and putting it into one place um, where we're talking about it in a way that is easy for people to listen into. Um, I know that I'm definitely going to be sharing this episode probably for a couple months um, with people who are wondering about the show um, and want to learn more, but we don't know more yet because obviously it's not premiering until September. So um Thank you so much for clearing up my questions, for clearing up, I'm sure, a lot of confusion for listeners and some followers as well. Um, what would you, uh, where can people find you on the internet and what would you like to share with the audience? Um, first of all, thank you for having me on. Yes, it's been an absolute pleasure talking. And um, well, you can, you can find us at Fellowship Fans on Twitter and primarily we do YouTube Fellowship of Fans on YouTube as well. So yeah, that's about it. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. If you want to learn more about the network, go to WBNE.org where you will find all of our shows like Curly Critics. The cover art is by Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishon Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. You can follow me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. If you want to support the podcast, you can become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore the different tiers and perks that are available. As I'm recording this, it is February 28th, which means that tomorrow is March 1st, and I'm hoping to have the newsletter out within the next couple days. However, I did just adopt a doggo this weekend, and she's very sweet, but she needs all of my attention. So I will do my best to get that up within the next week so that you guys can see what is in store for the coming month. Or you can become a sponsor of the podcast like Ivor, Ivor, I'm so sorry if I mispronounced your name. I believe um, we've also interacted on Instagram, so I need to message you and ask you how to pronounce your name. But thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, next week is it. It is the Silmarillion. We are going to cover it bit by bit, section by section. Um, I will say there is a preface that I meant to read and did not but we are not covering that if you want to read that you can go for it but next week we will cover 
Ina Lunen, no, Ina Lunen da, da, Dale. I, Ina Lunen Dale. Nope. <laughs> I'm never going to get that pronunciation right. Um, anyway, we are covering the first section of the Silmarillion next week. If you want to read it, you can go for it. But the point of these episodes is that you don't have to read the Silmarillion in order to listen and enjoy. In fact, it's my intention that people who don't even want to read it at all will listen so that they can learn about what happens and maybe use that knowledge going into the Amazon Prime series. Who knows? Awesome. And again, thank you so much. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Um, All I would say is that base your opinions once the episodes come out. So just you can have all the, um, all the, you know, doubts, worries, even excitement. Just let's wait until September 2nd and see what happens. And that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm.